Welcome to the Inquisit Kids Podcast. Tune in for daily discoveries as we celebrate curiosity and explore interesting facts about history, science, and more in five minutes or less. Hi, I'm Luke, and welcome to the Inquisit Kids Podcast. Does your family have a garden? Gardens are a great way to learn about caring for the earth and plants and where our food comes from. It can be a wonderful family hobby. Or... Does your family buy all of your food from the supermarket? A wide variety of fruits and vegetables are nicely displayed and available from all over the world for our choosing. But food has not always been as available as it is for most Americans today. Today, we will learn about a time in history when most Americans, no matter what their job might have been, all became gardeners for a season. In 1917, as World War I raged on across Europe, food began to become more and more scarce, not only in Europe, but also in the United States. There were two main reasons for this shortage. First, many of Europe's farmers were now serving in the armed forces. There were not many people left behind to grow food. Second, much of the land that was formerly being used for crops was now being used as battlefields. In March, Charles Lathrop Pack formed the National War Garden Commission. His purpose was to encourage all families in the United States to grow their own garden. Much of the commercially produced produce in the United States was being sent overseas. Additionally, trucks that had been used to move food across the country were now being used to transport war materials. People needed to have food available locally. He encouraged everyone from individual families, schools, churches, and businesses to plant fruits and vegetables on any land that was available. The more food that could be produced, the more people could have, and the excess could be sent overseas to help our allied troops. The commission distributed flyers detailing the best crops for their area, how to get the best yield, and how to prevent disease and pests. Posters were hung with the slogan, Sow the Seeds of Victory, on them. Next, the commission taught people how to dry and can their harvest. The campaign was so successful that it is estimated more than 3 million new gardens were started in 1917, and that number jumped to over 5 million in 1918. Almost a million and a half quarts of produce was canned. These home gardens became known as Victory Gardens. As World War I drew to a close, many people found they liked gardening and having fresh food available to them. Many families continued to keep their victory gardens going. After the attack at Pearl Harbor in 1941, which led to the United States entering World War II, victory gardens were once again needed. As the United States began rationing food in spring 1942, victory gardens became even more important. Across the nation, people were once again growing things like lettuce, carrots, beans, beets, tomatoes, and squash in every patch of dirt they could find. People who lived in apartment buildings were encouraged to plant their garden in window boxes. Even First Lady Eleanor Roosevelt turned part of the White House yard into a victory garden. The government continued to educate the population about best practices for both growing vegetables and pest protection. They also published recipes featuring fresh-grown crops as the main ingredient. At schools, children worked together in the Victory Gardens and then used their harvest 
in their lunches. Again, posters featured messages including, Your victory garden counts more than ever, and Our food is fighting. In 1944, more than 40% of all vegetables eaten in the U.S. was grown in victory gardens across the country. These gardens were cultivated by patriotic families and produced about 8 million tons of food. I'd say the campaign was a success. Of course, most people let their victory gardens go after the end of the war. But there are two that remain. The Richard D. Parker Memorial Victory Gardens in Boston, Massachusetts, and the Dowling Community Gardens in Minneapolis, Minnesota. You can visit them if you are ever in the area. Of course, if you do visit, I'd love for you to send me a picture. Thanks for tuning in to the Inquisikids podcast. If you want to see the sources we used for this episode or send us some listener mail, you can find links in the episode description. Thank you.